And now the creator of Ren and Stimpy, Bob Kemp. Rolls downstairs, alone in Paris, rolls over your neighbor's dog. It's great for a snack, it fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy as wood. It's log, it's log, it's better than bad, it's good. Everyone wants a log, everyone loves a log. From Blamo. There we go, that's the log song. And you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you this crash. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. From the virtual habitat and pseudo studio deep in our underground living quarters, we're proud to present Kirk, a retrospective of pauses being performed at a ball-bearing warehouse deep in Area 51. Welcome to TalkCast 286 in this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying a mild concussion from the rubber mallets sitting to my right, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the Gang of Five. From the Revere Time Vortex, our technical anarchist, the button pusher with a metaphysical keyboard. For those uninformed peasants, she enjoys pushing people's buttons because she's there. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Just look in Barnes & Noble for my cookbook. <laughs> Eat that! Great cookbook. I loved it. From the stacks of her personal space at the Dank Dungeons Log Cabin Clone Garden, this week, fe- oh, God. This week featuring Pringles, say that quickly three times, it's the Zombrarian. What? From a galaxy further away than is possible and yet not, our woman in chain mail. If there's a sci-fi book she hasn't read, it's written by a man. Please welcome Sir Sarah Lady Knight. I have a computer again. It's so exciting. It just it must be wrong. must be nice not to do it off your Kindle. It's so nice. Now I can use my Kindle to play games on while I do the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't Same. do that. What are you talking about? Same. <laughs> Back from his Pixar internship, our returning correspondent. Having spent 14 months at the Rash Dr- Ranch Dressing Institute of Higher Vegan Athletes. I don't know, I feel like rashes had something to do <laughs> could be. Yeah, no coming to you from rash. a bathroom somewhere in the Midwest, Master of the Segway, Minor 49er, it's Awake by Java. Hi. Sounding <laughs> very awake. Yes. That worked again. Well, see, I, 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 I just poured myself a scotch, so Yay. I'm a little late nice. to the party. Better than yeah, scotch yourself a poor. Not a problem. Our guest tonight... Drink you under the table. Watch out. Yeah, I know. Our guest tonight is a guy who has way too much time on his hands. He runs Double Midnight Comics. He opened up a new store in Concord last year for Double Midnight Comics. He runs Granite Con. He runs Massive Con. He runs six miles a week. It's Chris Brew. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? Good, how are you? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Granite Con, as we talk, is 16 days away. As we speak. 
God. So many things. Yeah, there are so many things wrong with me. So let's talk a little bit about what's new this year at GraniteCon. What new things do we have? What new things do we have? Well, I think we are, I, I would say we are kind of, in, we improved upon last year. So we had a big, big year last year, and then this year we're kind of tweaking things a bit. So uh, fine-tuning, fine if you will, uh, as we kind of look towards the future. So uh, trying to figure out how to best use the space that we have. I think uh, I used uh, an analogy the other day where um, GraniteCon is kind of like our Disneyland. We have a finite amount of space that we can use. But <laughs> yeah, that's massive true. Yeah. But the massive Comic-Con is our Disney world where we have a lot of space to work with. So uh, we have a lot of room to grow in, in the new show. But at GraniteCon, the original, you know, we're just tweaking, our, tweaking the space that we have. So and doing, uh, trying to maximize what we have. Uh, maximize what the airflow. That's have. what I always say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's not yeah. what I always say. That's no, you've never always. said that, come to think I've of it. I've never said that. No. Not once. Not even once. Said that. So this yeah, year we have... <laughs> so I, I think we could safely say that it will be bigger, badder, and better than ever. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, there's lots to be, you know, lots to be excited about uh, this year. Um, uh, we, you know, we've got kind of like a Star Wars thing going. Um, you know, our, uh, our guest of honor is uh, Billy D. Williams, which I'm very excited about, you know, because it's a big Star Wars year with the J.J. Abrams movie coming out and, uh, you know, the, uh, the 501st and all around base are working on some special stuff for us. Um, I was going to say, you're going to be using the 501st as, as, like, bodyguards for him the entire time? That would be cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be neat. Yeah, they're working on something secret that they won't tell me about, but I know it's supposed to be huge. So. That's very that's scary. In addition that's, to their, that's in terrifying. addition to their usual stuff. So Completely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And you've got to, uh, you know, every year, one of the things that GraniteCon does that I really like is that the, the floor for, there's no special area for writers, no special area for vendors, no special area for artists, everything is kind of mixed together nicely so that people mm-hmm. don't feel segregated like that. And it makes for a really nice feeling as you're walking the aisles of, of the main floor mm-hmm. because you're, you're not like, oh, here's another artist, oh, here's another, oh, here's another writer, here's another writer. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a really homogenous floor. You can get fatigued after a while. Mm-hmm. You're like, artist, artist, artist. You can only buy so many prints. And, and, and mm-hmm. after a while, you don't even want to walk down the aisle, and you may miss something really cool. Yeah. But if it's like... Yeah, well, artists, we're kind of, you know, we're all one big comic family, so let's all get artist, together. Artist, author, so. play sculptor, mm-hmm. we've seen there, you know, comic book vendor, um, 3D printing person, I think was there last mm-hmm. year. You know, yeah, two of them actually last there's year. There's so much cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even see one of those guys in Boston. You're right, we did yeah. this year. And they're just well. So it's cool. going to be neat. Like uh, we reconfigured the floor plan a little bit, and like nothing like major, but like we were able to get a few more vendors, a few more artists in. So you're going to see some new stuff that you, you, know, you haven't seen in, in the past, as far as uh, vendors go. So, well, you know, it's it, because it's a local show, and I mean, 
we've been affiliated with you guys for like eight years now. <laughs> Chris and I were talking about it the other day. It kind of frightened mm -hmm. us that we've been working together for that long. But, I know, uh, it's crazy. And How has anyone put up with us for that long? I know, <laughs> I know. And, you know, I, I can remember that, that first year in that back area of the, uh, it wasn't even the Radisson at that point, was it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the the, the that we used. It was just the one room, though. That one little room, and, and we kept thinking mm -hmm. to ourselves, wow, this is, you know, this is nice. This is really nice. Yeah, <laughs> I have pictures yeah. of that. We should do a retrospective. Yeah, we do, actually. Granite gone through the years. Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, I took some pictures from, like, the, uh, you know, when we came into the radio show, so... Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, oh, funny that. story, that was the year that we saw Sarah and Abby, and I was like, they look vaguely familiar. That's mm -hmm. true. That's um, very true. Turns out, I know them very well. <laughs> Just didn't recognize them. I not seen them yeah, in right 10 now. years. Mm -hmm. so, so, you never know so what you're in mind. We've mm -hmm. also got the cosplay contest this year, and... Yeah. and that thing has gotten like I'm sorry, but that's way out of hand. That was no, crazy. That was awesome. People are so cool and creative. That was ridiculously huge last year. Yeah, it's, it, that's crazy. I mean, I, I, I attribute that to, to Pat, who is just kind of, you know, he's become kind of like the, the godfather of, uh, of uh, cosplay and costume contests in New England. <laughs> The New England Godplay cosplay. You, co you come to me on this, the day of my cosplay <laughs> contest. You know, you got to kiss the ring, you know, it's, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. getting a little carried away. But. Yeah, I really think we need to interview him this year. I mean, it's about sure. time he got his due. I mean, I've yeah. seen at every major convention in New England going, my God, where do I get white makeup? What? He, yeah, he's all over the place. He's hooking everybody up, and now he's kind of branching out too. You know, he's heading down the coast, helping out with like, you know, uh, conventions in Jersey and New York. And it's just, it's just crazy. You know, he started out helping out uh, with uh, conventions, and you know, here we are now, eight nine years later, and he's like this player in the uh, the, the costume world. So anytime we need something costume related, boom, pass there, yep. hooking us up. So. I mean, but in a lot of ways, you've taken what was a very small, comfortable, quiet, nice local convention and turned it into probably one of the larger New England conventions there is right now. Yeah, you know, fact, we're arguably, we're arguably, you know, like, sure that's a compliment right now. Arguably yeah. the largest one in, in a lot of respects. Hmm. Yeah, you know, we got you know, it's a, it's a it's a nice mix of of, uh, of people. You know, it's uh, every and one thing you know, uh, one thing I got was like I've gotten you know, creators tell me that uh, you know, man, I've just got a really nice crowd. You know, there's not a lot of jerks. You know, sometimes you run across jerks at conventions, and everybody's really really polite and respectful. So it's it's really cool. Uh, it's a really cool vibe. You've maintained uh, something that's very difficult for cons to do now. And that has maintained a family-friendly flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's you know it's important to me because I've got you know I've got little tiny humans, and uh, you know I want to have something that they can come to, and you know it's uh, not overwhelming because I've been to you know 
I've been to San Diego, and that's you know, it can just get overwhelming when you get the big crowds and all that you know, crazy noise and crazy costumes, and you know, we want to have something that you know works for the kids. And in fact, we got um, Emily Druin uh, last year uh, came on board and started running the uh, the Kids Con, which we kind of set up in its own area where kids can kind of go have a break and you know. Uh, do some coloring, meet some superheroes, and, you know, that's just worked out great. Now, you're also going to have uh, a, a gaming area this year again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. go, go ahead. Nope, nope. I was just saying, yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, there's a Hero Clicks event on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, all kinds of, uh, prizes for that and then on Sunday the mm-hmm. colossal battle yep. and, yeah yeah there's a big uh, you know big huge hero click stuff going on for the region which is pretty cool and there's like a uh, the group uh, games by playdate they make their own games but they also have a huge board game library so they'll be bringing that in you can kind of check out some games play some games with your friends you know try something out learn some of their games that'll be open the entire, the, you know, the entire convention. So, you know, uh, and which is nice. It's only the, uh, the north side of the hotel, which is where we've got all our panel rooms and, um, all that stuff. So it's kind of nice, a nice area to get away from the crowd and the exhibit hall. So, so if there was one thing, Oh, I, Sorry, I got sidetracked for just a moment. There's one thing sure. you want the listeners to know that makes GraniteCon different and to bring them to it. What would it be? No, GraniteCon, like we said, it's a, it's a very family-friendly show. And we kind of, it's, I'd say it's kind of like a slice of like a bigger show without being to the point where it's overwhelming. So... You know, um, I mean, for somebody that walks in off the street who's never been to a convention before, it could be overwhelming because there's so much to, to see and do. But, you know, um, you'll get that, you know, big city convention without this huge crowd that can be kind of, uh, you know, overwhelming. So, uh, you know, it's, we, get a, we get a nice, like I said, nice group of pe- pe- people that show up. They bring their families. Everybody has a good time. Um, you know, it's a nice time of year, so, um, you know, we try to make it uh, fun for, for everybody. So, Chris, when we have you back next week, uh, we'll get, like, the final rundown of things that are happening, and maybe mm-hmm. you can give us a couple of secrets of, of stuff that just came uh, in at the last minute. Sure, definitely. Yep, because uh, in the next week we'll be putting up our uh, schedule of events, uh, we'll be putting all of our, you know, photo opportunities up on sale, you know, for uh, like of all of our celebrities and, you know, there'll be some more things popping up here and there. So definitely be some last minute details we can, we can go over. So if you want to see Billy D. Williams, Granite Con at the Manchester, in Manchester, New Hampshire, at the Radisson Center, right in the center of Manchester, September 12th mm-hmm. and 13th, doors open at 10 a.m., be there. It's going to be a good time. We'll see you there. Sci-Fi Saturday Night will be there. And and not that that means a whole heck of a lot, but we'll be there. Come say hi to us and uh, enjoy what is a good, wonderful local show. Chris, 
thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, thank you. And uh, we'll see you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Take care, buddy. All right. See ya. Take care. Bye. <laughs> so Graniton does sound like it's going to be a ton of fun, guys. And because it's local, it's easy to travel to for us. Yes. Well, for those people who have cars. I, I think we could find a way to get you hooked up enough. Yes. Here. Not, no, I trust you. <laughs> so, uh, that's Granite Con. And now, the news. Wow. We're really getting good at that. Color me impressed. <laughs> uh, biggest news this week. Well, biggest biggest news if you're a book nerd, and that's I guess me and Sarah. Yep. <laughs> is, Excuse uh, me. Oh, I'm sorry, and Java. Uh, was the Hugo Awards or oh, lack thereof? That's why I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Forgot. Exactly. About it. it was a travesty of epic proportions. Well. Uh, it was actually less well the the lead up to it was a was a travesty of exquisite proportions yeah. but the actual hugos themselves were actually kind of the best possible outcome that could have happened the best possible outcome in an incredibly flawed system that should be ashamed of itself yes and from a bunch of people who should be ashamed of themselves and yet are calling that they somehow one, even though all of the categories that had sad or rabid puppy slates got no award. Okay, for the the listener who was mercifully shielded from this, this Lucky. this yeah this uh, embarrassed shielded under a this rock, complete and total fuck up. It, it was it was yes. an embarrassment to the sci-fi community. Without well, doubt. It's been an embarrassment to the sci-fi community for, like, three years now, right? Right. Yeah. And it's getting so, worse and worse every year. So so this is this is what I have to say about the Hugo Awards, because I haven't been on the, on the show to talk about it. No, that's true. Go ahead. You all need to chill out. <laughs> Everybody needs to just chill out and vote for what they like. That's what it's about. Goodness gracious, stop being a jerk. All yep. of you. Like, like if you like this book, vote for it. If you don't like this book, don't vote for it. The whole organization thing that is happening, either side, I'm fed up with it. You're being jerks. Cut it out. Well, the whole point is that there was no organization on the, quote, other side, which is how the sad puppies were able to get away with it. Yeah, um, and that, by get away with that, I mean how it happened. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the point, right? So the people who are part of the organization that get to get to nominate and and vote, and and th that's how it should be. Like it yeah. should be an award by authors for authors, and that's that's the whole point of it. it once people start to try to to game the system, it, it's all messed up. And what's once the system became agendized, everybody throwing out agendas, it became utter bullshit. And to see the list of winners this year is just maggot vomitous. It's ridiculous. 
Well, well I mean, the people who actually won are well-deserved. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But the categories that got no... So, um, Charlie Jane Anders at um, io9, who is, in fact, also... She's also a sci-fi um, author. She is, yeah. Um, she put together uh, a list of what the Hugos should have been uh, if the puppies had not uh, completely slated them. And it's a really good list of things. Um, you know, there's some Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, Seanan McGuire, Aliette de Bodard, Joe Walton. Um, let's see who else. Um, I think John Joseph Adams. No, John Joseph Adams wasn't. Uh, Ellen Datlow, actually. I think she was the one who wasn't actually on there. Um, you know, a bunch of really good people who are very um, involved in the genre. They're very deserving. Right. Yeah, exactly. They deserved to be there. Instead of like a million things by a bunch of assholes. Well, I mean, and <laughs> or a million things by John C. Wright. Like t- to play to play <laughs> devil's advocate a little bit, just because I like to do that and piss people off. Wow, I love people playing devil's advocate. Please go ahead. Like, <laughs> like there, there's, there's cast some- fight, cast fight, run for your lives. Go ahead. There's, there's something to be said I, because. I I did I, don't, I honestly I have not been paying attention to the Hugos. I saw that there was kerfuffle and I ignored it because that makes my life happier. But it, knowing oh. that knowing that I was going to be on the show and we were probably going to be talking about it, I've been trying to figure out the whole thing. And and like science fiction is an issues and um, fashion, if you want to call it that, based um, as far as the the topics of of stories it it changes according to the fashion of the times so so there it you know when you look at 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 older fiction it's talking about issues that were pertinent at that time and modern contemporary fiction is talking about issues of this time and there's something to be said for um the idea that simply because something is timely doesn't mean that it's good now that and and that's the only part of any of the 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 side of the the what whatever the the young dogs um i that i can i can understand and identify with because just because something doesn't fall into the issues that are currently fashionable that doesn't mean that it's necessarily poor writing or poor fiction. Now, the problem is that all of the examples that they that they talk about are utter shit. They're really yes. not good. So, yes. so if they could come up with an example of good fiction that is not the that doesn't follow the issues um, that are fashionable in the science fiction community then that would be something. But they don't give me that when I go looking at their their reasoning. They and haven't been able to do that all along, and that's the fucking problem. That's, well, I that's think what the, I find. The that, problem that, with them is that they, they don't see it the way that you are saying these things. They, are, they don't read, first of all, they don't, probably don't read the things they talk about because... You know, they're, you know, about people who are not white, people who are not straight and, you know, things like that. And of course, not all the ones that should have been nominated are about people like that. But you're thinking about it rationally and where they're coming from is a place of irrationality. 
Um, it's, you know, we are, you know, we are the genre and they are taking over the genre, but these people have always been there and it's not necessarily for them. It's not necessarily about if it's good or if it's not, it's about if it's in the vein of what they think science fiction and fantasy. Well, and this is, this is a, this is a problem in, in books, in literature, in the, in the community of publish, like published work in general right now because we have this excess we are living in a time of profound excess when it comes to things that are written and published and yep so so that excess leads people to believe that because they can get their stuff published and even if they have a community that enjoys what they write that means that their writing is good i'm sorry I started reading Fifty Shades of Grey. It is utter crap, and it has a huge following. Good so, choice is, for garbage. So there is so, much better porn available on the internet. Anyone who is like Fifty Shades of Grey, I want to read that. No, internet, much better porn, better so, written, better researched, everything. Yeah, I mean that's that's the point, right? So just because something is is. Even even if something is popular, doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Right, and Just I won't the say same that way. this is a problem. I won't say that this is not a problem with the Hugo's. However, this is um, one of not I wouldn't say the first years, but one of the few years where I think it's I'm not sure if it's the best novella or best novelette category or best short story category. One of the short um, form categories has been full. Um, in years past, uh, that cat one of those categories or maybe many of those categories have had maybe three. Because you have to have 5% of votes to be entered into those categories. And people were entering what they liked. And because so many short-form works are published in a year, there was very little agreement on them. Yeah. Um, so not that that is without problems in the, in the Hugo world, but this is kind of, things are, came to a head this year with the puppies. I mean, like... It it's about this is this is not a this is not it has never been an award that that indicates greatness i mean most awards don't right they indicate popularity they indicate yeah, they're popularity contests yeah that's what awards are and it and you know when you start to try to uh, assign greater meaning to it that's where it gets it gets start <laughs> it starts to get annoying to people who have the ability Yes, it's a form of recognition and it is a way for authors to get more sales. Right. Um, which can, you know, mean the difference between being able to afford medical bills or something, you know? It's, right. it's but something. look, we're talking about writers. Yeah. And there's this, this bullshit of it's us versus them that this is degenerated into is not only pathetic but wrong. Well, and here's the thing that I that I really and and from this is this is not this is not me trying to be rational and and you know whatever. Oh, good because I would hate if you were. But go this, ahead. This is actually like the way that I feel about it. All of the books that are being um, talked about by these two groups are are ones that I would normally categorize as pulp fiction. I mean, they're great. They're fun. They're rollicking reads. You pick them up and you consume it on a plane ride, and then you, you know, toss it um, at somebody who's uh, reading a similar book in the airport, and you say, "Hey, I just finished this, and I don't want it anymore. You want it?" 
Like it, it was, it was fun. Did they do that? I didn't know like, that. But go on. I mean, or or it's one of those books that just lies around your house until you donate it to the, you know, to a charity. I disagree or with that, and I disagree with the sentiment of that as well. Um, I don't, first of all, think that there's anything wrong with that. But um, for most of the best novels, I completely no, disagree with that. No, I'm I'm saying that the the authors who write. Okay. Um, who are attached so like who? to these slates. Um, like, are you specifically talking about the puppies' slates? I'm talking about the puppies' slates. Okay. I'm talking about them specifically because the books that, I, that, that I've read yeah. that, that they are attached to, that they talk about as these, as these um, worthwhile books that are being overlooked, I don't see them as, as worthwhile books. And and yeah. and the reason is because I would categorize them, and I think back if you were looking back during the seventies, sixties, and seventies, they would have been categorized as pulp fiction, and nobody would have expected that they would would win awards. Well, I, mean, I think the problem, um, one of the big problems with them, is that a, a big part of science fiction is that it's supposed to be forward looking, and I feel like a lot of them are very backwards looking. That that could be, but I mean, and and part of that is nostalgia, right? So like, you pick up if I was to go and pick up an old, like, '80s Star Trek novel, which is what mm-hmm. my dad used to read um, when I was in grade school. Like, I would know I would know what I was getting. The same way I know that if I'm picking up a Spider Robinson book, I know what I'm getting there. The same way as I know when I pick up a Ben Bova book, I know what I'm getting because those those things have been established. Um, when you pick up a new book, you have no idea, and and that's you know, some people are uncomfortable with that. One of the things that I don't think the puppies are getting is that winning a Hugo Award, winning any one of these awards, doesn't mean anything for about 25 years. Yeah. I mean, the reality is anybody can, you know, do what these idiots are doing. Put together but a slate, it, not not the ones right. who are writing the books that are on the list. Right, exactly. So, yeah. But in 10 years, in 15 years, in 25 years, is, that, is there going to be anything about that that we'll care about? Right, and, the, and, and we are science fiction is in a is in a precarious situation right now right i mean all all fiction is all literature is because it's trying to find its place in a world that has significantly changed in the last 25 30 years so um and the amount the amount of fiction that's out there never mind science fiction the amount of just absolute fiction that's out there is voluminous it has just gotten to the point that there's there's so much to choose from you know uh if if the uh 90% of everything is shit rule still exists that 90% is huge yeah and and you know in 25 years when we're talking about the books that that we connected to um from the genre you know over this the course of the past of our lifetime um we'll really see what wins out and it doesn't matter what the awards say. It, it doesn't matter, you know, which ones sold more copies. I mean, we'll have that book that that we can share with people around us, and and that's more important than whether or not there's a gold medal on the front of the book. One of the one of the interesting things to look at too 
is if you go back 25 years okay. and look at look at what what fiction was lauded at that moment and how much of it doesn't really even exist anymore how much of it has lost its complete relevance so you know these idiots can fight over this all they want but they have to realize what a nebulous thing it is they're actually fighting about well and but the and ultimately what the community what the what the group needs to to deal with is figuring out a way that everyone's voice can be heard exactly but where the system can't be manipulated by people with an agenda that cuz yeah. cuz that's not that's not that that complete i think that undermines the spirit of the award gaming the system the way it's been done for the past 3 years is just really vile it's almost as much fun as being a, uh, a U.S. senator at this point. Hey, Bernie Sanders looks like he's having a blast. <laughs> if anybody's he's earned sick. the right to have a blast, it's him. <laughs> oh, have we beaten this one to death yet? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably. we have. Yeah. I think so. All right. So, what else do we want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about how hard it's going to be for me. Um, when the dub smash wars between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter finally start on September 2nd, because I'm going to have to choose between Chloe Bennett, who I want to date, and Haley Atwell, who's my idol. And I don't... How, how am I going to do this? Slowly, how? carefully. I, I'm going to... I'm going to give you some relationship advice right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. For my you fictional go... relationship with Chloe Bennett, who's currently dating a man. Yes. You know what? It doesn't matter. Okay. You go with Haley Atwell. And the okay. reason is, if you want to date Chloe Bennett, uh-huh. it's always good to date someone who challenges you. Interesting. So you don't do what they're doing just because they're doing it. Interesting. Okay. You go with the Haley Atwell because you love Haley Atwell. It's true. I mean, I and that is you, and you be you. I love both of them, but I really guess I'm just gonna have to watch the videos. Do you love Chloe Bennett because you want to date her? No, I love Chloe Bennett regardless of whether I want to date her or not. True. Yeah. All right. Tune yeah, in again okay. next week for dating advice for superheroes. <laughs> yes. Um, so the uh, preview video for how the Dub Smash Wars from here on out are going to work was released uh, sometime early this week, or I think over the weekend, uh, last weekend. And how it works is uh, each team releases a video. So Team Shield is releasing their next one on um, September 2nd, and then Team Carter on the 9th. Um, and then you vote basically by uh, each by donating a dollar to charity. So the Team Shields charity is St. Jude's Children's Research, Research Hospital, and Team Carter is Stomp Out Bullying. And you donate to each one, and each dollar is a vote, and you can vote however much you want. And they there are three rounds, I think. Yes, three rounds. Um, and then the loser has to give $2,000 to the charity of the winning team 
and um, be choreographed in a dub smash chosen, choreographed, and posted by the other team. So the chance of humiliation is large. Is very, very large, and I am very excited to see how they're going to top their last dub smash war. And basically, this is like the Chris Evans, Chris Pratt Super Bowl bet where mm-hmm. every single person in the world wins. Basically, yes. We all win, <laughs> but some of them will lose. But the, the, even the losers will win. That's true, because they'll have raised a shit ton of money for their charity. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So and it's a win, win, win. Those charities are horrible. Right? They're pretty good. They're good charities. Yep. They did a good job picking. Yay. Yeah. I, I just want to talk about what may be the best show coming up on, on the, the new television season this year. The Muppets? Is, the Muppets show. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, they have been releasing little uh, 30, 50, and 90 second promo pieces. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I've got two of them here. The first one is uh, because it's on the same night as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Clark Gregg showed up in one of the uh, promos. It just made everybody very uncomfortable, and it's hilarious. But the one that I think has just stolen my my heart and my mind is uh, Nathan Fillion hooking up with Miss Piggy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. She's no. just distracted by his butt. Uh, no. You okay. really need to take a look at the video. Don't remember how we talked about how the kids these days use hooking up very differently? Yes. That time that you said to somebody at the con, okay, well, we'll hook up later. We'll hook up with you. Yeah. Yeah. In this particular case... Oh my goodness, that is not the one that I saw. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Java might be... um, He's been scarred for life right now. (laughs) Nathan Fillion! (laughs) (laughs) These are not the hammer. What are you... The hammer is my penis. (laughs) What? What? Exactly, he said that. that. That pork got tenderized. Whoa! Wow! Not appropriate. I'm just saying. No, you're the one who started the hammer stuff. Yeah, well. Well, the Nathan Billion joke. It's fine. All I have to say is, watch the video. It is what it is. Poor Kermit. Goodness. (laughs) Well, they broke up, and let's face the fact that from the very beginning, Miss Piggy has been way more into Kermit than he has been into her. Is this a good time to make a nipple joke about Gonzo in the Wizard of Oz one? What? If you've ever seen the Muppet Wizard of Oz one with, I think, Brandy? Yes. Um, he, he makes a nipple joke. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, because the Muppet, the Muppet show is not a kid's show. It, it's okay. not, but they've made it so. And when you have, you know, child celebrities like Brandy... And it's marketed towards children, and then you're making nipple jokes. You gotta, you gotta, it's like this podcast. You have to choose your audience. And we've consciously chosen not to be a podcast that's really for children. That's right. I really fucking like swearing. 
Yes. Damn right, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but there, don't say fuck. Ah, not be able to choose whether they want to be a kids' show or an adult show. Now, if they want to be an adult show, like they have been in the past, that's great. Don't market your shit to children. Well, and the thing is, I don't know. In I the don't past, know. originally, what was going on was it was a really great thing that you could watch with your kids and you would be entertained and your kids would be entertained and it wasn't like so stupid that you couldn't watch it and it wasn't so adult raunchy adult. and the adult kids that yeah. your kids well, because, couldn't watch it. Because the, the Muppet Show was on at the same time as, as the Smothers Brothers, right? So yeah. I mean, it was like it was like television was becoming polarized during that time, and the Muppet Show was a was kind of, I mean, there were adult jokes hidden inside the things, and then there was the stupid stuff the kids liked. You were exactly right. right. Well, Absolutely. and here's the thing: it used to be that the adult jokes were clever, and that's how they stuck them in there: is that they were clever jokes, and now they're nipple jokes. And now it's these are my nipples, huh? I don't know. I I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt, right? So it's been a while. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's the thing that I'm worried about too. You know, the, the writing has to be spot on, and those writers are not around anymore. So most we'll, of them not. We'll see. I I think we need to hope for the best on this one because God knows, uh, you know, we need something decent on on television. Uh, and uh well and i am and i like the not the newest reboot reboot not muppets most wanted but i feel like the muppets yeah really caught that balance they did beautifully and um i will admit i haven't actually seen muppets most wanted yes Uh, you have no i have not together no we didn't that we that's not the one with what's his face from How I Met Your Mother in it? No. There were two there were two of those. No. No. Um Marshall. I was gonna say, did we watch this right after I had surgery? Because I don't remember anything that happened. <laughs> no, 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 I thought I thought that's except the dome turned on football and I almost cried because it was so confusing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she so slept through most of it, which was even worse. I did. Why was I, that worse? But Dome is right. There's not a lot of new stuff being made. Truth. It's, Let's talk about that. There's. No, I feel like there's there's some new stuff that I've been quite into. Well, I'm really it excited that it's leading second season, and I have been entranced by that show ever since last summer. Which show? Dominion. Make fun of Sippy all they, you like. They have some shitty shows. They also have some great shows. I'm just really excited that the Muppets is leading in to Fresh Off the Boat, which is then, I think, leading Fresh into Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D. I can't wait for that. I know, it's going to be so good. Totally. That's going to be a cue. Damn right. <laughs> it's worth more in Scrabble, bitches. <laughs> would you want? That's the most wonderful show in the world, clearly. So good. But D- Dominion is a wonderful show. Yep, it's about angels, but it's really decent post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Yep. 
It's, and you know me, I won't say that lightly. I usually hate post-apocalyptic. Yeah, life. I was gonna say it's something that Kriana and I are watching together, and usually I hate angel shows, and usually she hates post-apocalyptic stuff. And we're and both all religion ever because really enjoying. So, so let's let's think about this for one minute. This week, Kriana likes a Siffy show. I like many. I I like different. Last week, Kriana liked a book, (laughs) a print book, and said it was better in print. So what's happened here? Something, something strange. Married, and when you get lesbian married, what happens is there's a mind meld. Ah, it's in the gay agenda, which is on the back of your membership card. No, it's it's, it's, rainbow on it. It's it's in the um, mini version on the back of the membership card. Gotcha. Okay. Right above where you get your hole punches for conversions. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we almost have enough for another blender. No, I thought we were going to save up for the cruise, though. Gay cruises are so passe. So what? What concerns me is (laughs) what's going to happen next week. What's something I really love that you really hate? Um, So you think you can dance? No, I'm trying to think of of genre. You're going to like Neil Gaiman next week. Oh, my God. (gasps) Oh, wait. Secret. Secret. Here we go. It's actually already happened. <laughs> um, it actually already happened the other oh day. My God. We were on Netflix trying to find something to watch, and Stardust is available on Netflix. And I made Kriana watch it with me um, without telling her that it was written by Neil Gaiman, and she really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Okay, I really enjoyed it. I said, I said, I didn't hate it. Yeah, you. You said you thought it. I was going to hate it, and I said it was fine. I believe that was my exact words. Was it was fine. No, you said it was pretty good. Okay, so how faithful could that possibly have been to the book, though? <laughs> it was actually very... It was pretty pre- faithful. And, yeah. and also, I didn't have to read Neil Gaiman's asshole pretentious writing, so it's fine. <laughs> Although I had to but look at that woman's face, and I hate, pre- I hate that actress. What, what, what's the blonde, the blonde girl? Claire Danes. I know. Was it? Yeah, I didn't like yeah. that role either. I thought it was great. Yeah, that I'll was. Did some enjoy something written yep. by Neil Gaiman, so... I mean, Neil Gaiman has written Constantine, so clearly, I mean... And, um... Oh, my God. Uh, Sandman. Oh. Yeah, I haven't read that. You need to read Sandman. No, I have it. I just... It's so good. I know, but and, the and with tell Neil me Gaiman, that, the less I believe it. Then with Neil Gaiman, I, I've been burned before, Java. You have to understand. <laughs> I, you know how many people told me American Gods was so good? It's so good. Oh, it's so it was, good. It wasn't. It, it was. Wasn't. It, it, Spoiler it, alert! I hated it. I know you hated it. Okay, I, I, I just wanted. I want to deal with one more thing before we finish up tonight. Wait, what's going to happen next week now? I don't know. Kriana has already liked out. Neil Gaiman. I don't know. I think we're going to have to find out. So we we have uh, the the what's Kriana like now segment next week. <laughs> it's going to be like the new Star Wars or something. I've like completely. Oh God! <laughs> she's going to really enjoy the work 
of J.J. Abrams. Oh, God. No, I forgot it was him. And then the week after that, George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, and I wanted, Felicia Day. Hey, did did oh. we talk about what George R. R. Martin did for the Hugos or with the Hugos? No, it, but he does that like every year. Oh yeah, I didn't see. I don't pay attention to the Hugos. So. He's been doing that for a while, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's. Really I have no cool. idea what you're talking about, and he I throws totally a Hugo losers party where he gives awards to the losers to the people who he thinks should have won. <laughs> it's pretty, it, he's not pretentious. It's pretty fun though. I I mean that's. Say what you will about George R. R. Martin. And I will. Arr. I mean, he's got to be, I would like to have a drink with him. Why? I, w- I would just like, I would like to have a drink with him and say, why are you so weird? That is a fair <laughs> Explain question. it to me. Explain it to me, George. That's a fair question. But I, I want to just say a big hello to DC Comics who have been playing perennial jackasses for years now, can't get a movie that works right, get characters in, in, in their comics that sell wonderfully, and then pull this. DC Comics is pulling back, canceling titles, reducing page rates, and adding more ads uh, after their huge reductions in revenue because of what? Bad movies? Uh. And creators have been told to, and I quote, pull back on what has been described as bat-girling. I'm sorry, what? What? Bat-girling. No, but you have to explain what that is. Well, Batgirl is in the wake of the success of Batgirl, Harley Quinn, and all these wonderful alternative women, which they want to stop. Well, They're two best-selling series right now. Yeah, the way they describe it is experimentation in style. Um, so, like, By which they mean <laughs> don't have gay characters or we'll fuck with you. I don't know that it's so much that. It's like the art style more, it seems. Hmm, that kind of seems like an excuse for them to say, stop making gay characters. Yeah, I, I haven't seen... Uh, yeah, but I understand what you're saying. But I, I don't... I haven't seen anything about the sexuality. Wait, is it Batgirl or Batwoman, though? Who's Bat- uh, it, it is Batgirl. Batwoman. It is Batwoman. Okay, so yeah. maybe I'm not right here. I'm just an angry lesbian. What do well, I? Well, <laughs> it could be stop having so many, you know, of these, you know, women characters that appeal to young girls because we don't want to sell things to young girls. We want to sell things to dudes. I think that the DC just doesn't know what they want. Like they, I, it seems like the the people who are in making decisions on the high levels are are trying to be Marvel. Right, so they want to be Marvel. They're really envious, and they're like, "What is Marvel doing? Let's do that," instead of doing what works for them, which is darker and, stuff with really interesting art. Like Marvels really always have better stories, and DCs always have better art. Well, and the, the one thing that thing said, one thing that this this uh, article says is, uh, the tone of DC books was definitely not his decision. But multiple sources, quote, unquote, 
are saying the new look DC is failing to excite retailers and readers. So with that, their two best-selling titles, Batgirl and Harley Quinn, are being re-imaged. Well, and and DC has the the whole point of Batgirl and Harley Quinn was to get away from house style, right? Right. Exactly. To, to change things up and see if they could market a, a different, a more indie type of um, feel to their to some of their uh, outside of the mainstream characters, and I mean, I I would love to believe that 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 they're doing great and they're selling in droves, and that's that would make me really happy. But I don't have the numbers that they have, right? So I don't know if they're actually selling, and maybe they're right. Maybe retailers don't want to stock them. I don't know. I know that when I walk into my comic book shops in this in this town, they're always pushing the more interesting art and the interesting story. I mean, I, I have to like ask them if they have any of the mainstream comic characters. Like, well, the bottom line is, there's so many titles now. The artwork on that cover has to really jump out at you. Yeah, and if that does, you'll open it up and look at it. And if it continues off, there's your sale. Oh my God! I just had a brain a a, a, a eureka moment. I think that the sad oh. puppies have have are in charge of DC Comics. It's entirely possible. It's fair. It's entirely Very fair. Possible. Mm-hmm. And, and as we leave with a note to the sad puppies, Kriana, what's happening yes. on the show in the next couple of weeks? Um. Well. Because huh. it's. It's this that is interesting, time. and interesting in not a good way. Why? We may have a problem with this recording. I'm going to warn you that right now. But coming up next week, is next week really the fifth? Yep. Yep. For real? Wow. Tyler James and Alex Cormack to come to talk about Oxymoron. On the 12th, Vivek J. Tawari comes to talk about something. And sometime in October, we're going to talk about the Boston Metaphysical Society with Madeline Holly Rosing and also Tesla. So yay for that. Woo! Okay, so Sarah, sorry. Yes. Uh, hold on. My... Ah. Well, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, BooksAndBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Thanks outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Nice intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome. I want to thank the hardest working man in comic books, Chris. Thank me later. Uh oh. Continue your own personal galaxy quest. Sir Sarah, thank you, Derek. And from the shadows and into the yogurt again. Thank you, Java. Hi. This is Dome saying, Janie and Terry, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know.
Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. All right. So here's the problem. Audio oh. hijack just crapped out on me. And um, bad times. Bad times. Good news is that's why I record with Ustream. The bad news is when I realized audio hijack crapped out on me and I switched over to Ustream, I wasn't seeing any meter bounce. Um, even though everything looks right. 